date at one o'clock with two young men that um, are taking mum out for lunch. So I don't care what you do it then, but I'm out of here then because I'm keen to see my boys. Um, Alan and Daniel, you might have noticed, are away today. Um, they are Daniel's participating in Emmaus, though a weekend where. Um, the men gather and bottom line of it is just a great weekend where you can withdraw from the rest of life and the responsibilities and the pressures and you can just sit and um, encounter God in a fresh and a new way. And so Daniel is participating in that this weekend and I've had a sneaky little word with Al because they're not supposed to have mobile phones. So the pastor rebels. Um, how many of you know that the wives redeemed those rebellious men? Um, but he has just said it's been amazing. It's been really, really amazing. And some of the men that are on this particular retreat have um, had some significant, they've got significant stories. And God has been doing a really beautiful work of restoration and redemption. And Al has had the privilege of speaking on grace. And um, he said it's just been a really powerful time. So I'm sure he will expand on that um, next week. I thought this morning, it's so typical of Mother's Day that like we do this mummy um, talk and I I didn't want to do that to be honest or I wanted to be um, true to who I am and so I wanted to share something with you that I feel um, God has been stirring and provoking and poking me for about 12 months and Um, I pray that I um, share it in the heart of God and under grace because I I don't want to condemn anybody, but I do want to communicate to you that I feel passionate about this. And I want to share with you this morning on the topic of bold faith and what, what does bold faith look like in the modern world and what does bold faith look like in downtown Lismore and for our local communities. Um, I wanted to share with you that Um, I guess the way in which God started to provoke me with this was last year, you'd all be aware that some of the major um, supermarkets, Woolworths and Coles and IGA jumped on the bandwagon and they all started to um, bang on about the environment. And I I just want to preface what I'm saying now by this, that I I believe in sustainability and I believe in the environment. So I'm not anti any of that. For all of those of you who are in here now who are green, I'm for the environment. But I want to just say that when their message was being put across on every newspaper, on every news station, in every radio, you couldn't turn around without seeing billboards about these. How many of you, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, we've all become accustomed to it. But there were millions of dollars spent on advertising to get rid of the so-called, what were they called, single-use, one-use? Single-use plastic bag and that we were being encouraged that in order to live sustainably that we would have to get rid of them and that we would pay 15 cents for this thing. That is now, as a side note, thicker, still ends up in the waterways and still gets in the throat of animals, but that's a side issue. They're making millions while we pay for these plastic bags. And it really provoked passion and it provoked emotion within society. I mean, I don't know about any of you, but you could go to the local grocer in Ballina and line up at Woolworths and you would hear people having a go at the shop assistant on how ridiculous it was. And they were, I guess... um, taking their position on it, that they were clearly sceptical, they weren't in favour of it and then you'd hear the lady behind and she'd be an advocate for it so she'd start giving a dig at this one and this went on for months. How many of you know what I'm talking about? 
They spent millions on marketing. They drew some of the greatest marketers around the nation to get that message across. That as a nation, we needed to be more environmentally friendly. We needed to be more sustainable. And I was struck by passion, enthusiasm and conviction. Who knew that something like this could provoke such passion, such enthusiasm and such conviction? Last week, Alan and I found ourselves down in Lismore in that, um, you know, the downtown part, the square part, and there were mobs of people who were um, advocating their political position, and they'd gone to the trouble of colouring their shirts, and they had messages across the front, and they had billboards, and they were really communicating a strong message of climate change. I mean, that was just one of the messages. And as you drove into Ganalabar this week, how many of you have seen the people picketing along the side of the road? And again, I was struck with this passion, this enthusiasm, and this conviction that they would take time out of their everyday week, they would spend money on getting shirts printed up and placards pasted with their message, And again, I felt really struck by their passion and their enthusiasm and their conviction. You know, I think it's so important as a community to care for our environment. I think it's important to sustain it. In fact, Genesis 1 verse 28 says, he says, that being God, that God blessed them, being us, when he's talking about creation. He said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. And I mean, statistically, I think we're nailing that one. In fact, we're kind of ahead of our time. He goes on to say, subdue it. I looked up the word what subdue means and it means to master, to conquer or to govern, to rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. I have no doubt that this morning God is about creation. It was on his heart. He created a magnificent planet for us to live in. But I want to pose a thought to you that I don't believe it's the thing that we were meant to be passionate, to be enthusiastic and to run with conviction. I think the heart of God is that we would look after it. But I think the thing that God would encourage us to share those three traits around would be the condition of the human heart. You see, in my Bible, it says a tree was not made in the image of God. Though it was amazing and it's a reflection of the heart of God, but it wasn't made in the image of God. We were. Please don't leave here saying Jackie's a heretic because uh, the environment is not important to her. It is. But I just want to pose to you that I think in the heart of God, people are actually where it's at. People are what way on the heart of God. People are who God sent his one and only son for. In Matthew 5, is that up there? Matthew 5, verse 13 to 16. I want to share, this is the scripture that I felt like God really started to provoke and poke me. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You, being you and I, are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Therefore, let your light so shine before men that you may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Can I tell you that um, I am a, I'm passionate about my roosters? 
You know, we, we've, uh, we're at the stage in my family where uh, my children, if they have a friend come and stay or they're visiting, I've heard my children say, just excuse mum, she'll come good in a couple of hours because I just get caught in the moment and I'm just, I just become this other person. I'm very passionate about my roosters. And I wonder, I, I feel challenged regularly, am I that passionate about the message that I carry? I wanted to title my message today, Bold Faith. So I want to I talk, I guess, or dialogue with you, what does bold faith look like in the modern day? Bold faith, I believe, looks like not being afraid to let people know who your father is. How can we glorify, this passage says, glorify your father in heaven. How can we glorify someone if we don't first speak of who they are? When I want to honour my husband, it's no point saying to a room of strangers, Alan Kirchin is amazing. I have to first tell you about him. I need to introduce you to him. I need to share with you who the man on the inside is. Verse 16 says, Before men, let your light so shine before men. An expression of our faith needs to be done before men. It's an action. Now, I'm not talking about getting weird. Look at the person next to you. You turn around. I want everyone to look at the person next to you. Even if you're new here, don't get insecure. Look at the person next to you. I want to say, don't be going getting weird on me now. Let me hear it. We're not going to... Peter Felsch, I look at your mother and say, I'm not going to get all weird, mum. (laughs) You know what? It's not about running around the church domain with flags, is it, Jeff? That we're not getting weird. But it is certainly about being bold to be an expression of, a, of your faith before men. We need to be able to be confident to have an expression of our faith in the public arena. The Bible tells us that we are to glorify our Father in heaven. Unless people know who it is we're talking about, how can he ever get any glory? We sometimes rely on this mystical thing to happen where people will just know. And I don't expect people, I know in my workplace, I don't have people coming up to me saying, what must I do to be saved? But I think they should be able to identify a difference between them and me. There is nothing wrong with traits like kindness and um, generosity and graciousness. They're all great traits. And they're all things that we should probably, as a Christian community, be known for. But unless we express our faith in the public domain, unless we tell people who our Father is, how can he ever receive glory from our lives? The reality is that salt makes you thirsty for something. Is that right? When you eat fish and chips, you've got to have a drink. You're thirsty. How many of you know light helps you see something? For us as Christians, that salt is to make people thirsty for Jesus through the example of our lives before them. That light is to help people see Jesus. In 1 Peter 2, verse 11 to 12, it says, Beloved, don't you love when God calls you beloved? So precious. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honourable among Gentiles, Gentiles of those that do not yet believe. That when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. That by your good works, it's an action. It's not a myth, it's not a theory, it's an action. I believe this passage is exhorting us to live our faith with integrity in the world. And what does that look like? When I look around, and I love to read um, 
articles on what's happening in the third world and you know Alan has shared on many occasions our heart apart from Australia is definitely India and I'm always interested in what God's doing over there and what is the church doing and how are the Hindus responding and I have an interest you know the world is just simply my workplace what's happening in the Ramada Am I living my faith out with integrity at my workplace, in my family? Do, do my family members see a difference between me and the people next door? On the sport field, I have had to, I have to confess, I have had to sub myself off because I've just been thinking it's about to get real. So I've just sub, I'll be like, where are you going? I just need to go because <laughs> I need to have integrity on the sport field. In our social settings, when we're away from church on a Sunday, when we're not at the prayer meeting, does our faith have integrity? Do people look at us and go, she and he, they're the same every time I see them. This week, in fact for several months, I I know I'm preaching to the converted. We had an awesome coffee morning yesterday with some of our ladies here in it. And in the midst of it, um, one of our beautiful girls brought up the topic of um, Israel Folau. And I know as soon as I say that name, whether you're a sporty person or not, you know exactly what I'm talking about, yes? Amen? Uh, You'd be lost if you didn't, well, I would just assume you're clinically dead if you don't know who I'm talking about and you haven't heard a perspective on Israel Folau and his position that he's taken. And I'm not advocating either way. I have an opinion, but I'm not saying it today. But I do want to say that there has not been one news report, not one radio, not one social media um, download or whatever you call that scrolly thing that hasn't at some point throughout the day covered Israel Folau. Is that right? I mean, you just cannot read anything. You can't turn anything on without hearing his story. And people have got an opinion everywhere. And the funny thing is, is it's bringing the Christians out to some extent, though I think they're quieter than most, but it's bringing the non-church people out. And some of them are really barracking for him and others are slamming him. Is that fair to say? On Thursday, interestingly enough, they're Al makes us endure these talkback shows and um, we were listening to one of those and this man who was the, uh, what do you call the person running it, the hosty person, he had a call come in and it was from a man who, he was an adamant atheist. He said, there is nothing, nothing that's going to change my mind. I do not believe that there is a God. But he went on to say, but I have to say I have nothing but respect for Israel Folau. And the host, who I assume on what he has said is not a believer at this point, questioned him about that. What is it that you respect? And this is actually what he said. (laughs) I have respect for him that he has had the integrity to stand up for what he believes, whether or not I agree is regardless. I want to tell you exactly what he said. I'm so blown away by his conviction to stand up in the public domain, though it has cost him a lot. Has Israel Folau allowed his light to shine before men? I'm asking you that today. I'm not here to advocate whether he's right or wrong. I'm not even here to say whether his response was appropriate or inappropriate. But I certainly think that that man had the courage to stand up for what he believes at this moment in, his, in time. He quoted the word of God. Some would say he's deterred people because he's taken a, a hardline um, position, though he was only responding to a question. I'm not quite sure where he was meant to go. 
but he was just responding to a question. And some would say he's deterred people from God. People have got a wrong impression of God. My response is that in my time of being a believer, I've met some people who on the external appear by all intents and purposes to be really anti-God. Yet when you scratch just below the surface, there's a heartbeat. There's a condition that's broken and wounded. And so we don't, I don't tend to listen a lot to what people say, but it's really good to hear what the heart is actually communicating. For Israel Folau and his situation, this is what I would define as bold faith. This is what bold faith looks like in the public domain. Is your stance, for those who would question whether he's done the right thing or not, this is what I feel challenged by. Is my faith, is my expression of my faith in the public domain, putting my face on every news report, in every newspaper, are people scrolling through social media seeing Jackie Kirchin having the courage to step up for what she believes is right? Granted, he has a very public domain. He's a public figure, and I guess in some ways that's what's gotten him into a lot of trouble. But I guess clearly his public profile has given him a platform, but we have a platform too. I've got an office that I work in with 40 other employees. You've got an office that you work in in some way, shape or form. You've got a schoolyard. You've got a family. You've got a sport field. You've got a musical team. Whatever it is, is your thing. We've all been given a platform. So my question is, do we express bold faith in the days that we're living in? When we lived back in Ballina, um, at our house, for those of you who hadn't been there, were, had an, it was open plan. And at my work, I do quite a bit of night shift. And so I would come in at 11, 11.30 and I would say to Al, whoever's last up, can you just leave the lamp on? And you know, I would notice that, of course, everybody would be asleep. When I would come into our house, if Kirch had actually left the lamp on, it was amazing how a bulb this big could create a vibe when I walked into the house. The street was quiet, everyone had gone to bed, there were no other lights on, but there's this one little lame lamp, 40 watts, and yet it would light up the whole place, in that open plan of my house. And so I would walk in with confidence, quietly, but I was confident, get ready, go to bed and all was well. Do you know the odd night that Kirch would forget to leave the light on? I don't know. It would create a different vibe. And it's weird, right? But when I would walk into that house and it was pitch black... It just felt different. The first thing I would reach for is the light switch. Just get a, bit of lo- get, a, get a bit of light. Open it up. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all, all who are in the house. So my question is, what's your vibe like? When people are near you, we should have vibe. I wonder what our vibe is like. I don't believe that bold faith needs to look weird. I don't believe that bold uh, faith needs to look creepy. But I do think it has a significant vibe. I think we are living in days where the church needs to have a vibe and the vibe needs to be bold faith. I um, I work with some amazing people. And um, one of my work colleagues is a Buddhist and he's an extremely intelligent man, done umpteen degrees and master at this and a master at that. And so, you know, it's just little old me. And I just have this great relationship with him and he works in a different department to me, but we encounter one another every shift. One of the shifts that I shared with him, I encountered him out the back. So he works in the back of house, I work in the front of house and... I don't even know how it happened and 
I, I have this thing happen all the time, to be honest. And so it's taken me quite a number of years to go, God, maybe this is you for me. Maybe this is something that you do. How many of you know that we live in a society where we are being encouraged to become desensitized and to disengage emotionally? So when people actually unpack their world to you, can I say it's not normal? It should be, but it's not normal today. We are being strong, especially men are being strongly encouraged to bottle it up, suppress it and keep it down. And so when this man, who is 61, um, began to share some of his story, I thought, this is you, God. This is a moment. And he started to share when he was a young boy, just keeping in mind he's 61, so he's carried this for about 55 years. And when he was a young boy, his mother passed away and he found her dead in the bed. And, you know, it struck me. as I just listened. I just stood there. And as he began to share 55 years later, it's as if it happened right then. It still is alive and well and real and carries the pain that it did for him 55 years ago. He went on to share that, you know, at the end of that, Jackie, I just couldn't pull myself together. And I've been on a journey. I'm now 61, he said. I've tried all of the religions. He's dabbled in Islam. He's dabbled in New Age. He's got the tarot cards. He's got all of it happening. And I've settled on Buddhism. And he said, you know, Jackie, you'd be pleased to know I even went to church. Oh, I said, wow. He said, yeah, I tried the church. But can I be honest? He said, I didn't find Jesus there. And you know, when he said that, I just could have lost it. I felt really sad that he could walk into a church and he didn't find Jesus. And can we just not be precious? There are churches that we don't preach Jesus anymore. There are Christian communities who are not talking the cross. We, We are being muzzled slowly but surely, but there are definitely churches that exist today that do not preach Jesus. If we ever become that church, you need to slap us. You absolutely need to slap us. I was shattered to hear him say that. As he shared that, though, this is what I felt like God said. How many of you know God is alive and he speaks to his kids? I felt like he said, Jackie, if you now deny me before men, I'm going to deny you before my father. And so I felt to say to him, such and such, I'm so sorry that that was your experience. I'm so sorry that you plucked up the courage to go to church and you didn't find my Jesus where you went. But can I tell you, I'm part of an amazing group of people who if you walked in our doors, you would find Jesus. And I'm not going to tell you who he is because I'm believing that one day he will, but I'm very confident that he'll encounter Jesus when he walks through here. But I was sad. We need to have bold faith. There are people walking in churches who are not finding Jesus. Matthew 5 says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavour, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And if it gives light to all who are in the house, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Do you know when Jesus spoke those words, he was not speaking to a bunch of evangelists? Do you know being married to Alan, and for those of you who know him, you would probably appreciate that I'm assuming his uh, primary gifting is that of an evangelist. He can't stand to see people who don't know Jesus. Can I just say when Jesus spoke those words, he wasn't speaking to a group of evangelists. It's not up to the evangelists 
to reach people for Jesus. The role of the evangelist is to equip the church. Who is the church? Look at the person next to you and say, you're the church. You're the church. You ought to be the lamp that lights up the world wherever you go. Jesus was not having a private meeting with his apostles. Here's my take on it. This is where, what I think it would look like today in downtown Lismore. Jesus was speaking to a group of people who had a myriad of backgrounds. He was talking to builders. He was talking to labourers. He was talking to hairdressers. He was talking to business people. He was talking to sailors. He was talking to students. He was talking to affluent and not so affluent. He was talking to a multitude, the Bible says, a multitude of every type of person, you and me. And he's saying to you and I that we are to be salt and light on the earth. It was never a command for a select group of people. I want to close just with a story, if I may, of... Um, what I thought was just a seemingly nothing thing, but along with this bag, they were the two things that have really changed my perspective on my workplace. They've changed my perspective when I go to the grocer because I'd get really cranky. I would go to do grocery shopping. I have somebody telling me, pouring out their story every time, literally every time. And I'd be like, seriously? I've got four kids in tow. I just need to go home. But God began to speak to me about being salt and light to the earth. A few months ago, quite a few months ago actually, uh, Chloe and Alan and I were having some time together and we opted to go, um, I think it's called boulders, you know that point where you're walking, I think that's boulders. We're walking up that lovely walk there and we're just chatting, we're hanging out, we had the coffee, we had the bickies, we had the chairs and the plan was that we just head on up and we'd sit on the point and we wanted to look at the water and it was when the dolphins, you know. Anyway, off into the distance as we're walking up, there was a lady and she was coming towards us. We didn't know from a bar of soap, of course, but we're just chatting, chatting, chatting. And as we got closer, I just, I just kept looking at this lady and Alan gets cranky at me because I always stare at people, but I'm always interested. I wonder, I wonder what your story is. And I could tell he was thinking, don't do it. Anyway, as she got closer, she smiled at me and I smiled at her and Chloe and Alan kept going and so I stopped and we had a chat. Just really quite surfacey stuff, 10 minutes I think tops it would have been. And I got to know a little bit about her and she got to know a little bit about me and we talked about the weather and it was all very beautiful and on she went. And to my knowledge, I've not seen that lady again. When I went over to Alan Chloe and they were, had their chairs all out, Al says to me, you're unbelievable. Like you just cannot go anywhere without stopping to talk to someone. And you know, out of my mouth, before my brain had engaged, and you just need to understand that can be a little bit scary, but out of my mouth came, Alan, you think I didn't know her, but to me, she's just a friend that I hadn't yet met. And I thought, oh, you know what? God really began to speak to me, that when we, wherever we go, there are friends that we haven't yet met. And I'm not saying that you need to have everyone in your inner circle and download your stuff and them download. I'm not talking about being in everybody's business. But I am suggesting that you have a workplace where there are friends you haven't yet met. You have an arena wherever God has put you where there are friends you haven't yet met. And I want to challenge you this morning that God would encourage you to have bold faith.
to not shrink back. We are living in days, look, look around the political arena, we are living in days where Christians are being encouraged to be muzzled, to say nothing. I had a chat last night to one of, or two of my workmates, one of which is 18, and so it's his first federal election. And so he's saying, who, sh- who should I vote for? And you know, every part of me wanted to tell him, this is who you need to vote for. But I thought, I can't do that. You need to think about it. You need to research and you need to read. So I said to him, just do me, do me one favour. Between now and Saturday, will you go home and you promise me that you'll at least research who their preferences are going to? At least do that. Read up. Educate yourself. Then I said to one of my, the other colleague that was there who was a Buddhist, I said, can I just ask you one question? I want you to be honest. promise you to be honest. He said, I promise I'll be honest. And I'm not advocating either side, by the way. Don't read into this. But I just said to him, can you tell me from your perspective as a Buddhist, if Scott Morrison was a Muslim, would the media be allowed to ridicule and make fun of him about his faith the way that they are to our current Prime Minister? Where you go on memes and they ridicule him for being a believer... I'm not judging his heart. Do not read into what I'm saying. I'm just suggesting to you that as Christians, we need to have bold faith. We need to stand up when they ridicule our leader because he's a Christian. We need to have an opinion about that. We need to actually use our voice. We need to stop being muzzled. We need to exercise bold faith in the atmosphere and in the place in which God's placed us. Amen. I want to pray that this week that God, I mean, Alan prays every week and I know that he means it every single Sunday that you would in the next seven days have an opportunity to share the gospel, the message that we carry with somebody, whatever that looks like. That might just be a cup of tea. That might just be a conversation. It might be a smile. It might be a 10-minute chat. But I want you to listen to what God is saying to you, that there are people in your world that are friends that you haven't yet met that have stories that need Christ. And without us saying, here am I, send me, I'll exercise bold faith. How does the message ever get across? Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning, God, that, Father, we are born for such a time as now. Lord, that every one of us that is sitting here carry a message, God, that there was a moment in time where you impacted our world enough for us to yield and to say yes to Jesus. Lord, I pray that, Father, every person here, God, would have an opportunity this week, Father, to look past the surface in the worlds that we live. God, to look for the opportunities that you open to us. Father, to seize the opportunities. God, give us courage to be a voice in a funky world right now. God, let us have the courage and the boldness to be a voice for Jesus. God, I pray for those of us that uh, lack confidence, Lord, or second-guess ourselves. Father, would you give us grace to step aside from that, Lord, and to be bold enough to give bold faith a go. Father, for every person here, I pray blessing. Father, I pray that you would love on them, love on their family, and, Lord, that in, in a fresh new way this week we would encounter Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Go and have a beautiful day with your families, with your loved ones, with your community. Look for friends that you haven't yet met. And I, would, I want to hear testimony. I want to hear a story of what God did. Amen? Amen. Be blessed.